0: That voice is in trouble.
1: Understand that God is here. We're meeting in the presence of God. He's an awesome God, almighty God, and a, a God that just loves to bless his people. And he will bless those that seek him and serve him with sincere hearts. We are together here on that premise. I'm assuming, I'm trusting that I'm speaking to a group of people. That really sincerely desire to live a life that's worthwhile, a life that is useful, a life that is pleasing to the Lord, and that we can uh, be sure we're putting our efforts into what really matters. And just how. Uh, past another milestone in life, number 59 for me, and uh, more and more you come to a place where you realize that life doesn't just go on forever, and what's going to happen, there's not much time left. Have you ever wondered, maybe I'd share my heart a little bit, uh, that we can spend so much time spinning our wheels. We're, we're trying to do things and we're trying to get things done. And this past week we were uh, clearing out some trees and brush and stuff. And we had a truck that the four wheel drive quit on it and pulling a trailer. And, and uh, different times we were delayed in what we wanted to do because we're just spinning our wheels. Uh, does it seem that way in life sometimes? I guess getting down to the core issue of the matter, I have this life here, how can I best give it to the Lord? How can I present this life and say, Lord, here it is, use it, and I want to be useful in your kingdom. I trust we're not struggling with this, although sometimes, if we're honest, I can struggle with it, think that. I'm just a pretty wonderful, pretty important person. God should be so privileged He has me and that uh, I'm offering my services. Maybe even I'm willing to give Him a little bit of my money when it's convenient. Uh, I don't think the Lord has much use for us if that's how we approach serving Him. So we want to talk this morning about an acceptable sacrifice, I think of the Old Testament Jewish culture. So we're going to go worship God, worship revolved around uh, going to Jerusalem and we have the temple there. And you wouldn't think of going without bringing some offering And, and this concept that we're going to worship God, we're going to serve God. and we don't go empty-handed. We, we go with an offering. We're going to go. We're going to make a sacrifice and it's uh, in, in order for this worship thing to go right in order for this thing of, of me uh, serving God I have to be able to present something that's acceptable to him something that uh is pleasing in his sight. And we, we know that if I'm living a life, I'm presenting a life that's not acceptable to, to him, I'm not gonna be doing a lot of good, and, and maybe even more sobering, I can be standing in way of God, what God really is, is wanting to do. That's a sobering thought for me. And I was also thinking as I was uh, just in kind of in the preparation of this thing of where Malachi, Malachi was the last of the Old Testament prophets, and and he prophesied to them. He said, "You have brought the torn, the lame, and the sick. You sacrifice the corrupt thing." And he goes on to say, "God speaking, I am a great king," saith the Lord of hosts. My name is dreadful among the heathen. So why was it that they were bringing the lame and the sick and and the crippled? uh, Because they they wanted to keep the best for themselves. They they wanted something that maybe wasn't that useful. That's what we're gonna bring to God. And there's just, Something very wrong with our concept of God if that's how we approach our our worship and our service to him We understand who God is and we get into that a concept of God and The best I can give but uh, is, is not is he's, he's worthy of so much more And so that's that's the uh, the heart uh, behind an acceptable sacrifice. Like now, to turn to the text that we're going to be using this morning. We'll be using the latter part of Romans chapter 11, and uh, on into the first verses of Romans chapter 12. And I think some of you are aware of this, but when when the scriptures were written, they weren't necessarily divided in chapters as we have it today. And it's useful, it's helpful for us to have chapters. I can say we're gonna read out of chapter 11. I'm not sure how I would do it if it was just the Romans one long letter uh, without uh, our chapter divided in chapters and in verses. It, it makes it easy for us, but there can sometimes be something lost in where you end one chapter and start another. And I believe I don't know who is responsible for deciding where things should be divided, but in in my perception of what we're looking at this morning, it should not have been divided there. Uh, Maybe it could have been divided at about verse 3 of chapter 12 or verse 4. And the reason I say that is sometimes we come to the end of the chapter, this chapter's done, and we're going on into another thought. And uh, the, the last part of Romans 11 and the first part of Romans 12, I think they tie together very much. They very much need to understand the concept of the uh, last verses in Romans chapter 11 uh, to understand the first part of Romans chapter 12. And I'll explain that in just a little bit. So we'll read the, uh, the text here, Romans 11:33. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out! For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. I beseech ye therefore, for this reason, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace of God, Uh, the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly Mm -hmm. according as God hath felt in every man a measure of faith." So we have this concept of who God is. And this morning, if if my life is gonna be an acceptable sacrifice, if what I'm giving to the Lord is something that is pleasing, something he can receive and, and accept, then I need to have a, a proper concept of who God is. And like I mentioned, if they're bringing the sick animals that were for, for sacrifice in it, and the ones that really weren't useful to them, the ones that weren't really going to be beneficial to their program, they're giving God their leftovers that they didn't really want. That is a very distorted concept of who god is and so we have here in the latter part of romans chapter 11 uh apostle paul just trying to in human words understand the greatness of our god and understand that the only reasonable thing for us to do is to give ourselves completely to him here I am, Lord, use me. My life, everything I could call my own, it's not really mine. Uh, just, I give it to you. And a living sacrifice, I thought of using the title living sacrifice, but uh, I, I switched it a little bit to uh, an acceptable sacrifice. Our sacrifice has to be acceptable unto God. And if it's not, then our lives are worth worse and useless that's pretty harsh words but uh, the the focus this morning is to have a life that is pleasing to God a life that we can present to him that he can accept and use for his glory I thought I'd mention just briefly I don't want to distract from the main part of the message here but sometimes it helps us to understand the context we're looking at so in Romans chapter 11, we have first of all the, the nation of Israel that was uh, not sure what's the proper word, not necessarily rejected, but but somehow because of the things like we had in a Sunday school, this problem, they constantly went back to, to idol worship, to to serving false gods. and And for that reason, God had, in a sense, put his focus more on the Gentiles. And this morning we are Gentiles. But it's a sobering thought that the Apostle Paul is saying, as Gentiles, writing to Gentiles, that if God spared not the natural branch, which was the nation of Israel, he will not spare us either, if if we're not faithful in what our calling is. The calling of God... uh, Verse 29, it says, "The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In other words, we have this one chance in life. If we miss it, there won't be another." And also uh, in verse 22, Romans chapter 11, it says, "Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity." but towards thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off." Some very strong words. Behold, the word behold has the idea of take a good hard look. God is a loving God, God is a kind God, God is a God of blessing, but he's also a God of judgment. And if we're not faithful in the calling that God has for each one of us, we also will be cut off. And that's serious business. In our family devotions, we're reading through the book of 1 Samuel right now and just got through with it. And if you are familiar with the book, 1 Samuel, the last chapter has to do with the the Philistines killing King Saul and his sons were all killed and we know the reason was because king saul did not faithfully follow the calling that god had for him and it's no different for us god is no respecter of persons he deals with us according to the way that we respond to him and live for him so there's a seriousness about it and then if we look at further into the context of after the verses i read has to do with how we function as the body of Christ. In other words, how, in this case, how the McDowell Church relates to one another as brethren. And this all ties together the calling that God has for us and then how it's played out effectively in shoe leather in the brotherhood. And if it's not working then there's something wrong with our sacrifice so first of all we look at the the text here the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God have you ever been guilty of now maybe this is too much of a personal uh, question but have you ever been guilty of questioning God Wondering why did God allow this? Why did God do it this way? Why am I struggling with this? Why do I have this problem? Why do I have this issue I have to deal with and? Maybe not always in a direct sense, but in the back of our mind, since we know God is sovereign somehow God is responsible for this struggle I'm in this problem I'm having and so, the part of the text here, I think, is, is helping us understand that God, does God make mistakes? Do, some people maybe even struggle with the thought of God made a mistake when he created me and the way he did it. God made a mistake in the way that he has ordered my life, where I'm living, uh, the work I have. Uh, the responsibilities or the lack of responsibilities. uh, We can struggle with that, I think. So, foundation number one is an acceptable sacrifice. There has to be a proper concept of God, who He is and how I relate to that in relation to Him. Is there a place to question God? I think maybe there is, in a sincere, not in a challenging way, there, there can be a place to say, God, I don't understand, God, this doesn't make sense, God, why this and why this? I think, you know, we can do that in, in a sense that we uh, are just wanting to, for God to, to reveal to us, help us understand, but there's so many people that have rejected God because They say, for example, uh, World War II, you can read about just the tremendous horrors that happened during that time. And many people turned bitter and said, how can a loving God allow these things? And we know God allows things that I don't understand. But people are rejecting God because somehow they feel like he's not doing his job right. And who are we as puny human beings to question a lofty high God? And he asks these questions. Who can know the mind of the Lord? Where did God go even in creation? Where did God go? Where did he seek his counsel? Who did he go to 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 get advice? How many times did he try to create the world until it finally worked? We know the answers. It was just there. And if if you look into nature and think about creation, think about a being, and it's infinite wisdom that just by speaking the word uh, created a world where everything uh, outside of what man has messed up, everything just functions like it should. it was mentioned in the opening here about the drought. Uh, When I was actually Brother Glenn in, in the Sunday school class There's a lot of people maybe disillusioned with God. Why is God allowing it that I mean We know what it's like to go two months without rain. What about three and a half years? God had a purpose and the purpose was to bring the people back to God and Elijah was an instrument that was uh, making sure it happened So And they asked the question who? Who gave to God so God could be recompensed again? And we don't really have answers more than we know that God didn't need a counselor. God, God could create something from nothing. We can take it, like I could take this uh, a tree and cut it down and get it sawn up and get it dried and, and run it through the planer and the sander and all that. I, I've worked with this. I know what it takes, but I'm, I'm using resources that have been, been provided to me and I just put them together. God didn't need that. God created the world without any help from you and I. And he can manage and he can operate, he can run this world without our help too. So that's how we approach God. He doesn't really need me, but I sure need him. And that's the concept of God, how we approach him. The high and lofty king that does everything right. So that's a foundation for me being able to have acceptable sacrifice to him, that I, could, that I actually would have something to give to him, understand his greatness and my, uh, my finiteness, his infinite uh, way of functioning and my finite way of functioning. Infinite means limitless and finite means we have varied uh, set boundaries which we have to work in. So that's how we approach God, foundation number one. Foundation number two, we have in verse 36. We have it clearly set in our minds that all things are of Him, and all things are through Him, and all things are, are for Him. If you catch that. All things proceed from God, okay? All things are done through God. And all things are done for God. So first of all, if there's anything that's gonna happen with this life, I understand it's gonna come from God. Second of all, if anything that's gonna be useful that's done through this life, is gonna be done through God. If I, if I want any royal purpose in life, what what's life about, what am I living for, I understand that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it for God. I give it back to Him. So that's the foundation for acceptable worship. And we need to have that that blueprint, if you care, to understand it that way. This is how God has established it for us, that all things proceed from Him and all things are done through Him. And all things are done for him. And to him belongs all the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we have that concept right. Now I want to look at man's counterplan. I'm just going to look at a couple places in Scripture where we see this. And maybe we can be operating in that counterplan without realizing it. We'll go way back to. Something that happened soon after the flood That's in uh, Genesis chapter 11 So God wiped out the earth Because of the wickedness of man With the flood And just Noah and his sons And his daughters uh, In-laws and his uh, His wife Were left And then after a while uh, the, His offspring re, um reproduced and they became more plentiful. And we have, in in Genesis chapter 11, it says, the whole earth, verse one, the whole earth was one language, one speech, and it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and there they dwelt, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly and they that had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And it said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So we see something, the concept here, all things proceed from man. All things are done through man, and all things are done for man. I don't know if you see that. I see that uh, says, let us, it's something that we will do. Let us, it's it's proceeding, or it's coming forth from man. This is man's idea. And let, go to, let us build this tower. It's, we're gonna do it through our power. Gonna do it through man. Let us make us a name. This tower—what it's a purpose for it? Look at what humanity can do. And you know what happened? There was immediate judgment, and God put a stop to that thing right there. It's when He. Uh, created confusion through different languages and they they couldn't communicate well enough to keep on and the the project terminated right there One other example Daniel chapter 4 We have this uh, world empire, superpower, Babylonian kingdom. And we have Nebuchadnezzar was uh, an emperor. And he, you read through the time of the history, uh, just reading through Jeremiah right now, and he, Nebuchadnezzar, God allowed it this way. He conquered one nation after the next. And here we have in, in, in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 29, says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? You see here clearly, this is something, this, this thing of this great Babylon is something that proceeded from me. It came from me. And I have done it with, through my tremendous ability and power. And I have done it for my own honor and for my own majesty. You know what happened immediately after he said those words? God struck him down and became like a madman. he was out living on the mountain, eating grass like a, like a cow. The judgment of God came upon him, and he was that way for, I think, seven seasons, it says, until, in verse 36, it says, "'At the same time my reason returned unto me, "'and for the glory of my kingdom, "'for the honor and brightness returned unto me, "'and my counselors and my Lord sought to me.'" And uh, it says, "'Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, "'praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, whose all's works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. He gave his honor to God, and God gave him back his kingdom. So we see the the life, the, the sacrifice, or whatever, Nebuchadnezzar, there wasn't probably even a hint of it in his mind because he was this great person. He didn't need to give everything. Everything was for him. All things in his mind were done, uh, proceeded from him, were done through him, were done for his own glory, for his own power, for his own majesty. God will give his honor to none other, it says. It says that in the book of Isaiah. not planning to say a whole lot on this, but not sure of how much you understand what I'm going to say, but the current situation we have with technology and the world we're living in right now is very much that man's counter plan. You wonder what's driving so people so hard for, for why they're pushing for advancing in technology proceeds from man, it's done through man, it's done for the, the glory of man. And you think of the scene Parkers, if you're familiar with him, the one that uh, created Facebook, Steve Jobs, very much the one that was behind what we now have the smartphone, and Elon Musk and his drive for Pushing for advancing technology. What's behind it? They're just pawns. You believe that? They're just pawns. There's an evil mastermind that's driving these men. And the problem is, we can be just pawns in it too if we're not careful. What it is doing to the Church of Jesus Christ, and what it is doing to avoid or to, to hinder people from having their lives be acceptable sacrifices is overwhelming to me. And it's reality where we're at today with our churches. Technology is driving us, and it's technology, it's not God. It's not God. We talked about this morning. You cannot serve two masters. We want an acceptable sacrifice to God. My life be something worthwhile, then God is our master, one hundred percent. And if there's other things that are controlling us, they have to go. So going back to our text in Romans, now verse one of chapter 12. Now that we have the foundation laid that all things are of God, and all things are through God, and all things are for God, Apostle Paul says, I beseech, I beg you, brethren, give yourselves to God. He says, that's your reasonable service. In other words, it's the logical way to approach God. There's really no other logical way to do it. It's your reasonable service. What else are you going to do? God is the master of the universe we're not Lord of our lives God is but we can live as if we were and that's where the problem comes in so we, we come to God say God here I am I present my whole being here it says present your bodies I say present your spirit, soul and bodies to God everything I've got Lord it's yours you can have it, use it it's all at your Uh, disposition it's all for you I hold nothing back what do you have that you haven't received and if you received it where did it come from I think if we have any concept of God we know the answer but sometimes maybe we forget sometimes maybe we function on a on a different plan where the reality of it isn't as real so we look at the heart as the government center of our being what what motivates us what drives us A heart that is just given up god. I I'm willing to do whatever. There's no reserves. There's 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 no area I was reading recently about uh, a hypothetical situation where this man had given everything to God, but he had this little key to this little box. He said, it's nothing much, I just wanna keep this, just, just let me have this and you can have the rest. And Jesus was there, he said, no, give it to me. He said, no, no, this is mine, you can have all the rest, but not this, this little key to this box, no. And Jesus kept persistently demanding that he give him. And so he gave the key to Jesus Jesus opened the box and it was full of hideous things hideous things that were secret it's just one one little area that you can have the rest but don't touch this little area right here do you do I have that little box where I want to hang on to that little key God says no no Give it to me, and we're, we're in business. If you want to keep it, you have that option, but you really don't have anything to offer for my kingdom. My mind went when I was thinking of sacrifice to Abraham. I'm going to turn there, but it says here in Genesis 22, and verse 1, that God tempted Abraham that word "tempted," I would probably use a little different word. God tried Abraham. God proved Abraham. Oh. because our in in our modern English, when we think of tempted being tempted, we think of of wanting to do something wrong. And God wasn't asking for Noah to be tempted to do something wrong. He was proving Abraham. And I think of you know it. Abraham was 100 years old. Finally, he had this little boy, this promised son. I'm sure it was so precious for him to have that little boy. And this boy is starting to grow up, and he's now becoming where he can start relating to him as an adult. And Abraham probably has all these dreams, and this is going to be the true heir, because Abraham had a lot, and and he's going to give this all to Isaac. God comes along, he says, go to a certain place where I tell you and sacrifice Isaac there. Is that a reasonable request of God? And I think in our human way of thinking, this can't be. There's something wrong here. Something doesn't feel right here. God, you're asking too much. Did Abraham do that? Not a hint. He said, rose up early in the morning, and he went. And he told his servants, you stay here while me and the lad, we're going to go and we're going to worship God. Now, if you weren't unhindered worship, that's where it's at. When God asks something very difficult, say, yes, God, I will do it. I will do it. He was at a place where he could worship God. And we know how it turned out that God, uh, in the moment when he was ready to make this sacrifice, God said, no, wait a minute. He said, now that I know that you have not held back the most precious thing. Then he shared the most precious plan, which was the third part of the promise of the Father, where through his offspring, Jesus Christ, all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed. He shared that with Abraham when Abraham was willing to give it all even what was most precious to him." So what is an acceptable a sacrifice? There's a lot of theology out there about uh, Abel and Cain. Abel had sacrificed to God and it was pleasing to God when he offered this and Cain did not. And uh, Some say it was because there was blood, and there's probably something to that. But I look at the heart of Abel. Abel just had a heart to want to serve and to worship and to, to give his life to God. And Cain, well, it's obvious that his relationship with God was not like it should have been. And so... I think at the core of why his sacrifice was not acceptable was because of his attitudes he had towards God and and toward his brothers and towards life in general, toward his brother Abel. So I think there you have a key to to what is acceptable sacrifice. So this is, this sacrifice needs to be a holy one. Uh, It's a living sacrifice. I think to God, worth much more those animals, they served their purpose, they were dead. They weren't gonna do anything more. And they, they were just symbolical of the sacrifice of Christ, if I understand that part. But we have this life to give. Who are we gonna give it to? We're gonna give it to God, he's worthy. How are we gonna do it? Well, we talked about it's all for him. He's worthy of it all. We understand his greatness. He makes no mistakes, what he asks of us is never wrong. His wisdom is far beyond ours, when we start questioning him it's maybe we think that our wisdom is beyond his, it can never be true. It's a holy sacrifice, if, if there's anything in my life that's not holy, is it possible to deal with that so we can give our lives as a holy sacrifice? God cannot really use perversion. And this has happened in pulpits so many times, it's, it's terrible. Where, where men are maybe even gifted speakers and they have some very immoral things that are hidden. Forget it. Take, take care of it. Get it dealt with. And then we can go on to serving God, but not, not with sin in our lives. Not, not possible. God's a holy God. And he expects us to deal with the unholy things. And he has made provisions for us to do that. Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's, a, it's a, the only reasonable thing you can do with your life here this morning. Just give it to God. Give it all. Then he goes on to say, and be not conformed to this world. Uh, conform in this sense if I understand the word right. Uh, it's being pressed into a mold. It's being shaped. And we have the culture that's out there. The culture is very self-centered. It's indulgent. It's pursuing what matters most to me. And it, that culture is all over the world but I think it's promoted and exploited more in the United States of America than anywhere else in the world. The me culture, me first. Self-centered, indulging, pursuing. Just see how much we can gather together, how much we can spend on ourselves. A life that's lived that way is not acceptable to God. It's for him. And he, he allows us to use what he blesses us with for our basic necessities, but not for indulging, not for going and, you know, uh, that's not the heart of my message this morning, but we, don't, we dare not be conformed to the culture around us. If that happens, forget it. We're done. We're done. Rather, be transformed with the renewing of our minds And the renewing of our minds happens with that I'm out to prove that the will of God is good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. And I don't follow it perfect. I don't claim to do that here this morning, but that's my heart. That's what I want to do. I want to know the will of God for my life. I want to be surrendered to it and make sure that I carry it out. And that's a transformed life. That's, That's a transformed mind. I let God, I let His will be what dictates my life. And I don't always understand that as clearly as I could or should maybe, and the closer we walk to God, I think the better we understand his will. And we wanna know, and I trust this morning that's where we're at. I wanna know what the will of God is for my life and I wanna carefully follow it. But then maybe God said, well, I want you to do this. No, no, wait a minute, no, not me. You think that we will continue to receive further revelation on the will of God? I think it can stop right there until we're willing to do what God clearly has told us to do and then we can go on with business with God. I want to finish this message here. Go to the book of Micah. One of the minor prophets might struggle a little more to find it, and if you can't find it, that's fine. Just some some verses here, and think about acceptable sacrifice. Micah chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 6 to 9. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? The Lord's voice crieth in the city, and the man's wisdom shall see thy name, Hear ye the rod, and who hath appointed it. So what can I give God this morning? How can I be pleasing to him? He says, do what is right, live justly, love mercy, be be merciful with others, dwell calmly with our God. We'll have a song.